Chapter 30 of The Spanish Brothers by Deborah Alcock. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. 30. The Captive. I, but for me, my name called, drawn, like a conscript's lot from the lap's black yawn. He has dipped into on the battle dawn, bid out of life by a nod, a glance. Stumbling, mute, mazed at nature's chance, with a rapid finger circling round, fixed to the first poor inch of ground, to fight from where his foot was found, whose ear but a moment since was free, to the wide cam's hum and gossipry, summoned a solitary man, to end his life where his life began, from the safe glad rear to the awful van. R. Browning On the night of his arrest, when Don Carlos Alvarez was left alone in his dungeon, he stood motionless as one in a dream. At length he raised his head and began to look around him. A lamp had been left with him, and its light illumined a cell ten feet square with a vaulted roof. Through a narrow grating, too high for him to reach, one or two stars were shining, but these he saw not. He only saw the inner door sheathed with iron, the mat of rushes on which he was to sleep, the stool that was to be his seat, the two earthen pitchers of water that completed his scanty furniture. From the first moment these things looked strangely familiar to him, he threw himself on the mat to think and pray. He comprehended his situation perfectly. It seemed as if he had been all his life expecting this hour, as if he had been born for it, and led up to it gradually through all his previous experience. As yet, he did not think that his fate was terrible. He only thought that it was inevitable, something that was to come upon him, and that, in due course, had come at last. It was his impression that he should always remain there, and never more see anything beyond that grated window and that iron door. There was a degree of unreality about this mood. For the past fortnight or more, his mind had been strained to its utmost tension. Suspense, more wearing even than sorrow, had held him on the rack. Sleep had seldom visited his eyes, and when it came, it had been broken and fitful. Now the worst had befallen him. Suspense was over. Certainty had come. This brought at first a kind of rest to the overtaxed mind and frame. He was as one who hears a sentence of death, but who was taken off the rack. No dread of the future could quite overpower the present unreasoning sense of relief. Thus it happened that an hour afterwards he was sleeping the dreamless sleep of exhaustion. Well for him if, instead of death's twin brother, the angel of death himself had been sent to open the prison doors and set the captives free. And yet after all, would it have been well for him? So utter his exhaustion that when food was placed in his cell the next morning, he only awaked for a moment, then slept again as soundly as before. Not till some hours later did he finally shake off his slumber. He lay still for some time, examining, with a strange sort of curiosity, the little bolted aperture which was near the top of his door, and watching a solitary broken sunbeam which had struggled through the grating that served him for a window, and threw a gleam of light on the opposite wall. Then with a start he asked himself, Where am I? The answer brought an agony of fear, of horror, of bitter pain. Lost, lost. God have mercy on me. I am lost. As one in intense bodily anguish he writhed, moaned, I even cried aloud. No wonder. Hope, love, life, alike in its noblest aims and its commonest joys, were all behind him. Before him were the dreary dungeon days and nights, it might be months or years, the death of agony and shame, and worst of all, the unutterable horrors of the torture room, from which he sank as any one of us would shrink today. Slowly and at last came the large burning tears, but very few of them fell, for his anguish was as yet too fierce for many tears. All that day the storm raged on. When the al-Qaeda brought the evening meal, he lay still, his face covered with his cloak. 
but as night drew on he rose and paced his narrow cell with hasty irregular steps like those of a caged wild animal how should he endure the horrible loneliness of the present the maddening terror of all that was to come and this life was to last to last until it should be succeeded by worse horrors and fiercer anguish words of prayer died on his lips or even when he uttered them it seemed as if god heard not as if those thick walls and grated doors shut him out too yet one thing was clear to him from the beginning deeper than all other fears within him lay the fear of denying his lord again and again did he repeat when called in question i will at once confess all for he knew that according to a law recently enacted by the holy office and sanctioned by the pope no subsequent retraction could save a prisoner who had once confessed he must die and he desired finally and forever to put it out of his own power to save his life and lose it as every dreary morning dawned upon him he thought that ere its sunset he might be called to confess his master's name before the solemn tribunal at first he waited the summons with a trembling heart but as time passed on the delay became more dreadful than the anticipated examination at last he began to long for any change that might break the monotony of his prison life the only person with the exception of his jailer that ever entered his cell was a member of the board of inquisitors who was obliged by their rules to make a fortnightly inspection of his prisons but the dominican monk to whom this duty was relegated merely asked the prisoner a few formal questions such as whether he was well whether he received his appointed provision whether his warder used him with civility to these carlos always answered prudently that he had no complaint to make at first he was wont to inquire in his turn when his case might be expected to come on to this it would be answered that there was no hurry about the matter the lord inquisitors had much business on hand and many more important cases than his to attend to he must await their leisure and their pleasure at length a kind of lethargy stole over him though it was broken frequently by sharp bursts of anguish he ceased to make note of time ceased to make fruitless inquiries of his jailer who would never tell him anything upon one occasion he asked this man for bravery since he sometimes found it difficult to recall even the gospel words that he knew so well but he was answered in the set terms the inquisitors taught their officials that the book he ought not to study was the book of his own heart which he should examine diligently in order to the confession and repentance of his sins during the morning hours the outer door of his cell there were two was often left open in order to admit a little fresh air at some times he often heard footsteps in the corridors and doors opening and shutting with a kind of sick yearning not unmixed with hope he longed that some visitant would enter his cell but none ever came some of the inquisitors were keen observers and good students of character they had watched carlos narrowly before his arrest and they had arrived at the conclusion that utter and prolonged solitude was the best remedy for his disease such solitude has driven many a weary tortured soul to insanity but that divine compassion which no dungeon walls nor prison bars availed to shut out saved carlos from such a fate one morning he knew from the stir outside that some of his fellow captives had received a visit but the deep stillness that followed the dying away of footsteps in the corridor was broken by a most unwanted sound a loud clear and even cheerful voice sang out venciros van los frailes venciros van corridas van los lobos corridos van there go the friars there they run there go the wolves the wolves are done every nerve and fibre of the lonely captain's heart thrilled responsive to that strain evidently the song was one of triumph but from whose lips who could dare to triumph in the abode of misery the very seat of satan carlos alvarez had heard that voice before a striking peculiarity in the dialect riveted this fact upon his mind the words were neither the pure sonorous castilian that he spoke himself nor the soft gliding sibilant andalus that he heard in seville nor yet the patois of the manchegan peasants around his mountain home in such accents one and one alone had ever spoken in his hearing 
and that was the man who said for the joy of bringing food to the perishing water to the thirsty light to those that sit in darkness rest to the weary and heavy laden i have counted the cost and i shall pay the price right willingly whatever men had done to the body it was evident that juliano hernandez was still unbroken in heart strong in hope and courage a fettered tortured captive he was yet enabled not only to hold his own faith fast but actually to minister to that of others his rough rhyme intimated to his fellow captives that the wolves of rome were leaving his cell vanquished by the sword of the spirit and that as he overcame so might they also carlos heard understood and felt from that hour that he was not alone moreover the grace and strength so richly given to his fellow sufferer seemed to bring christ nearer to himself surely god is in this place even here he said and i knew it not and then bowing his head he wept wept such tears as bring help and healing with them up to this time he had held christ's hand indeed else had he utterly fainted but he held it in the dark he clung to him desperately as if for mere life and reason now the light began to dawn upon him he began to see the face of him to whom he had been clinging his good and gracious words such words as let not your heart be troubled my peace i give unto you became again as in old times full of meaning instinct with life he remembered the years of the right hand of the most high he thought of those days that now seemed so long ago when with such thrilling joy he received the truth from juliano's book and he knew that the same joy might be his even in that dreary prison because the same god was above him and the same lord was rich unto all that call upon him on the next occasion when juliano raised his brave song of victory carlos had the courage to respond by chanting in the vulgar tongue the lord hear thee in the day of trouble the name of the god of jacob defend thee send thee help from the sanctuary and strengthen thee out of zion but this brought him a visit from the alkaid who commanded him to forbear that noise i only chanted a versicle from one of the psalms he explained no matter prisoners are not permitted to disturb the santa casa said gaspar benevidio as he quitted the cell the santa casa or holy house was the proper style and title of the prison of the holy inquisition at first sight the name appears a hideous mockery we seem to catch in it an echo of the laughter of fiends as in that other kindred name the society of jesus yet just then the triana was truly a holy house precious in the sight of the lord were those who crowded its dismal cells many a lonely captive wept and prayed and agonized there who though now forgotten on earth shall one day shine with the brightness eclipsing kings and conquerors a star for ever and ever end of chapter thirty